welcome to Minute 39 of Movie Rob Minutes, the daily podcast, where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again on this lovely Thursday in the middle of April is Bubbly of Flights, Tights, and Movie Nights. Welcome back, Bubbly. Yeah, it's good to be back yet again. Yeah, especially with all that smoke billowing out of the... The train, I think we need to try and figure out what's going on here. But, you know, I think you you're, I think you did it. <laughs> <laughs> or, or at least the engineer thinks that. Who knows? <laughs> What'd you do? What'd you do? So. Yeah, sorry, I, I put a, I left a penny on the train tracks. That, there you that go. That must have an end problem. Mm, maybe. That's an interesting theory. Didn't think about that one. So minute 39 begins with Neil talking to the girl next to him. And ends with Neil looking down in despair. So yesterday we we had a pleasant minute with Neil enjoying the view from from the window of the train, until we reached a point where the train started billowing smoke and started making very strange noises and came to an abrupt stop. And then the engineers got off of it, and one of them started blaming the other one for something that he did. So this minute begins with Neil saying to the girl next to him. He said there was smoke. Did did he say he smelled smoke? <laughs> you know, not really sure what's going on here and stuff like that. So first of all, I find it very interesting. I mean, he's saying he, he's got his arms, you know, uh, how would you even describe the way that he has his arms there? He has his arms, arms like his hands tucked into his arms with the way. And it looks like he's he's in an accusatory stance, you know, talking to the girl next to him. By saying, you know, it, it in some ways it looks as if he's accusing her of of causing something here. What, what, do, you, what do you think about that? Do you see what I'm talking about? Um, right at the very beginning of this minute, the first second, you see the way that he has his hands tucked into his uh, arms that way. Uh, I don't know. I I know he gets he does like the like the head nod, like I, that might be like right after where he's like nodding his head like of course something else has had to have happened right right now i mean i also love the fact that, that she's she's holding a pen in her hand which probably means that she was doing some sort of crossword puzzle or something like that you know when when this whole thing happened we you know yesterday we only saw neil trying to sleep when when the train abruptly stopped so she must have been doing something else because she has that pen in her hand which one, if one is sleeping, they usually don't hold the pen in their hand, unless maybe she was suspicious that Neil was going to try something. I, <laughs> I, I see what you're talking about now. I, I hadn't gone right. quite back far enough. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just like a, just kind of a general closed off body posture, yes. like just showing that he's annoyed. Yeah, completely. Not Not necessarily directed at her. Right. Now, what what I wonder also is, is, how did he hear the engineer complain to the other one, saying, what would you do? He's, he's in supposedly a closed train. You know, the windows are closed. It's cold outside, so they're not going to be riding along with the windows open or something like that. I guess, he, you know, maybe he hears someone else saying it. Maybe it's one of the conductors that actually says something about smoke. I don't know. It's just pretty funny. Yeah, I thought he was talking about, you know, he, he overheard it from one of the other passengers around. Uh, maybe, because we didn't hear someone say that, you know, so we're not really sure. And then we, we get an external shot of the train 
billowing lots and lots of smoke. And we see the conductors get off as the engineers are trying to figure out what's going on with the with the engine itself. And the, the conductors are looking around, also trying to figure out what, what's going on. And then we get an internal shot where everyone is starting to get off the, the train. So it seems as if something is missing here, you know, where there must have been some sort of announcement or something like that, telling people, okay, you know, grab your belongings and get off the train in an orderly fashion or, or something like that. You know, and we, we get a shot of Neil where he just has a look of despair on his face. You know, he, he it's as if he's saying to himself, I can't believe my luck another thing happens to me, you know? Yeah. And, and the music in this scene is great because they, they play like a very downbeat type of music that is telling us once again, all right, everything is stopped. Now, what's funny is, is that we get a very brief shot of this girl sitting next to him who's still reading her magazine again. (laughs) You know, everyone's getting off the train and she's, she's reading a magazine. I mean, personally, I, I, I'm that type of person also. Like when I'm on a plane or something like that, I don't rush to get off. I just sit in my seat and continue whatever I'm doing, you know, until, until the, the aisles are cleared. And then I'm usually one of the last people off of a plane because I know that it's not going to do me any good to stand there in line, you know, getting pushed from behind and then therefore accidentally pushing someone in front of me and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I'm the same way. You know, so so it sort of would make sense that she's sitting and just reading, reading, reading the article or reading her magazine again because it doesn't really make a difference. She's not in any rush to go anywhere. Then we get a, another external shot where we see the conductors are are taking the luggage out of the luggage, the baggage uh, car, I guess you can call it, and starts giving you know just throwing the luggage down basically because you see all this luggage strewn along the the side there where people are starting to pick their stuff up. And then we, we see Dell with his trunk, you know, picking his trunk up and uh, trying to, to lug it along from there. So you can see how much he's struggling to lift it up and it's just for one, one side of it. So it, Mm -hmm. it makes me once again, wonder what is in the trunk. You know, we, we know that he has a pillow in there and we know that he has a picture of his wife and that's it. <laughs> Something else is, well, I imagine that's my guess is that that's where he keeps most of his like uh, shower curtain ring, like example stock. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it is, but, but it looks very, very heavy. So he must have a ton of, of, uh, of shower curtain rings in there. If it's that, that. You know, if it's that heavy for him to pick it up, don't know. Well, and, and you know, he's somebody that he's basically like a traveling salesman. So he practically his entire life is in these, the trunk, the bag, the suitcase. Yeah, for sure. Like that's all of his stuff. Yeah, completely. But you think that by now he would be used to dragging, to, to, to carrying it with him. You know, and even in the beginning when we saw him in New York, he had to drag it around New York. I mean, this is, you know, I, I know that they used to have trunks when, when I remember when I was in sleepaway camp. So we had, we had these type of trunks and there are trunks that, that have on one side of them wheels so that you can lift it up and wheel it along. You know, you don't necessarily need two people to, to carry it, but it doesn't seem as if this trunk has any wheels on it. You know, it's just something that, that Dell has to deal with by trying to drag it 
you know, and, and lug it along wherever he's going. Right now. Yeah. He's just somebody that's, that's, that's the way he's always had it. You know, he's had this trunk for forever and he's too stubborn to update. Right. That's true. I mean, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago, a lot of the, the stickers, all the different places, all the different hotels that he's been in, stayed in and stuff like that. So yeah, he's, he's been all over the country with that for sure. No question about that. And I mean, once again, you see that, that his boots are still undone. So, you know, he was, he must have been sitting on the train without, without his, his boots on and, you know, just slipped his feet back in and decided to, you know, not, not, uh, zipper them up or I guess it looked like there would be zippers, wouldn't it? What do you think? Do you think he's got zippers or it's got some sort of other types of ties on them? Um, I think it's got like a little flap that folds over it. I can't see if it has like holes for laces, but the laces are missing. It could be. It could be. Right. And then we, we see the, a shot of Neil talking with one of, one of the conductors. And the conductor says to him, you walk a mile, mile and a half to the highway up there. The trucks will meet you and they'll take you to Jefferson City. So my first question is, is they're going to take them. Okay, I understand that they're, the, the train has broken down in, in the middle of a field. There's nothing that can get to the field to pick them up. That's fine. Okay, again, it's not the, the most convenient thing that these people have to walk, you know, a mile, a mile and a half with all their stuff. Okay. But why are they having trucks pick them up? Wouldn't they have buses picking them up or something? Like, what type of truck do you think they're going to have to pick these people up? You have any idea? No, I, I have no idea. It, if it's like, uh, it wouldn't be like a semi truck, right? Exactly. You um, think like, okay, it'd be a minibus or some sort of, of, of. I don't know, but, but a truck is not what I would expect them to. To pick them up in, like a hayride truck. I don't know. Maybe it could be. <laughs> now, wouldn't it be a wagon? I don't know. Don't know. But I mean, if you look in in minute in in second thirty, so if you look behind Neil when he's talking to the conductor, there's some sort of contraption behind him, which looks maybe like a buggy or something like that. It looks like maybe something that they can put put the the, the luggage on or something like that. It, it wasn't there in the last shot. So I don't know what it is because we never get a clear shot of what it is, but it looks like some sort of buggy. Yeah, it almost looks like, um, how, like one of those, like a cherry picker. Yeah. But why would it be in, I mean, we didn't see it before in uh, the shot. So unless it's like film, unless it's like film equipment that isn't supposed to be there. That could be, that could very well be. So he mentions Jefferson city. So I, I did a little bit of research to figure out the distance between Newton, which stands in for Stubbsville, and Jefferson City. Okay, so Newton, Kansas to Jefferson City is a total of 456 kilometers. And the, the, the distance by miles is 283 miles. Okay, so it would take, if you fly it, it takes less than an hour. But if you drive it, how long, how long do you think it would take to drive 283 miles? Uh, let's say that's about maybe a five-hour trip. You are very correct. So, they, I mean, I found three different ways of getting there. 
and the average is about five hours about to, to, to get there. So yeah, that's pretty good. So, and what, what do you know about Jefferson city? Uh, don't really know anything about it. It's the pretty much the only place in Missouri that I've been to is St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Jefferson city, which is informally known as Jeff city, which I'd never even heard that it was called that. So it's the capital of the, the state of Missouri. I, I actually always knew all the capitals, and I was always surprised that St. Louis wasn't the capital of Missouri, even though I knew <laughs> that it was Jefferson City. In the 2020 census, they had a population of 43,228 people and is the 15th most populous city in the state of Missouri. It is actually named for Thomas Jefferson, the third president of the U.S. So in 1812, when they organized the Missouri Territory and they, the, the seat of Missouri's government was in St. Louis, and they wanted St. Charles to be the capital. But for some reason, they voted and decided to, in 1821 to make Jefferson City the capital of, of this area. The settlement in 1825 was, was changed into a city. And a year later, they actually moved the entire uh, Missouri legislature to Jefferson City. And that's where they set it up. Now, there's also a very famous state prison that, that is located in Jefferson City, which is known as the Missouri State Penitentiary, which opened in 1836. And it had three very famous inmates over the years. Sonny Liston, James Earl Ray, and Pretty Boy Floyd. Have you heard of any of them? Yeah, I I don't remember which podcast it was. Um, I think, oh yeah, it was. Um, I, I'm currently listening to the Jay and Silent Bob minutes covering Mallrats, and they brought up James Earl Ray. Okay, at one point within the past week or so of the episodes that I listened to. Oh wow, that's pretty good. All right, so we'll start with uh, with with Sonny Liston. So Sonny Liston was a uh, boxer. He actually became the heavyweight champion. So before he became the heavyweight champion, he was part, he, he, he turned to crime and led a gang of thugs. They would commit muggings and armed robberies all around the, the area. And he used to wear a shirt that, that was very, he used to wear this yellow shirt and he was known as the yellow shirt bandit. And in 1950, he was caught when he was uh, 20 years old. And he was convicted and sentenced to five years in, in this prison and got out in uh, 1955. So a few years later, he actually was, was made it to be the heavyweight champion of the world. So James Earl Ray is known for his assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., which was in Memphis, not, not in Missouri. But beforehand, he had served, he, he had a very long criminal uh, rap sheet, right? He uh, got caught for burglary in California. Then in 1952, he served two years in, as, for the armed robbery of a taxi driver in Illinois. In 1955, he was convicted of mail fraud because he was stealing money orders in Hannibal, Missouri. And he was forging them and taking them to, to Florida. So he ended up serving four years in Leavenworth. Okay, and then in 1959, he was caught again stealing just $120 in armed robberies, 
in St. Louis in a Kroger store, which is a uh, we we had those in Michigan also. Did you have those in in uh, Illinois Kroger's? Um, it's a it's a it's a food store. I don't it's, a, remember. it's a it's a, a food yeah the, it's a food chain. Uh, we have them here in Georgia, and I I don't remember um I don't remember if we had them in Illinois. We definitely had them in either Kentucky or Indiana. Uh-huh. Okay. And so after he he was caught doing this armed robbery, he was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Okay. And in 1967, he actually escaped from the Missouri State Penitentiary. He hid in a truck that was transporting bread from the prison bakery. And then a year later, he, you know, ended up assassinating Martin Luther King Jr. So that was pretty, it's, it's, I never knew that he had escaped from prison just a year before. Yeah, I never never really knew what he you know what his history was beforehand. And the third one was um, was Pretty Boy Floyd, who was a famous gangster in the 1930s, who didn't spend that much. He spent a little bit of time there in in the beginning of his career. He had a very he had a pretty short career, but it was it was very <laughs> it was very affluent. He 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 murdered a lot of people. Over the over the years, so I mean, I I, I have a whole long thing here. I'm not going to go into any of it because not, <laughs> no, because it just doesn't really uh, you know. It's not it's not it's interesting, but it's completely not relevant here. <laughs> he was public enemy number one in 1934 after uh, John Dillinger was was gunned down by the FBI, and they 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 ended up shooting him uh, a few months later. He was in a cornfield in in Ohio. Where they they uh, gunned him down. So yeah, those those are three of the the, the famous inmates <laughs> of of this Jefferson City Penitentiary. So again, I'm I'm still wondering about the trucks issue, but I don't think there's anything we can do about that. <laughs> yeah. Right. So at this point, we we get an, about thirty seconds of Neil and Dell just looking at one another. In different ways, you know, Neil is watching Dell struggling in the field, and he sees that Dell even falls down as he's dragging his truck, his trunk. And Neil, you know, like shakes his head, and you can see the look on his face as if he's debating what he needs to do here. You know, does he need to go help out Dell or not? You know, he's he's not really sure what what he needs to do or what he should be doing in this situation. And it looks like, you know, in some ways, it looks like the type of conversation that. That, that you see in cartoons where someone has, you know, an angel on one side and the devil on the other side trying to, to convince them what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, that type of thing. And because he like shakes his head at the same time also. Now, one of the things I found really funny here is, is that there's this sailor, this, that, that, that <laughs> yes. is behind Neil. Okay. We see him behind Neil, but then when we see Dell, he's walking near Dell. And then they give us another shot of Neil and the sailors behind him. So a big continuity error at that point with, with this, this particular sailor along the way. So it, it's pretty funny that, that we can see that. And yeah, and he's wearing that, that stereotypical sailor's yes, hat. Of course. That's very identifiable. Yes. Because that's how you have to travel, I guess, in 1987. You have to be wearing the, the identifiable, you know, sailor's hat. 
Because when I first saw it, I thought there were two different sailors. But then if you look, you can see it's the second sailor. I, I wasn't able to recognize other extras that might have been there together. But it, it still is possible. Who knows? Yeah, I also think it's interesting that uh, we don't see it. But at some point, his trunk like completely flips upside down. Yes. Because whenever he picks it up, it's right side up. Yes. But then whenever it's the long shot of him struggling with it and, and tripping, it's upside down. And, and also whenever Neil comes to help, it's uh, still upside down. Yeah, that's true. And so, I mean, we, we see the look on Neil's face, which is great because it, it shows that he is debating what to be doing here, how to, you know, whether he should be doing the right thing and going to help Dell or not. So it, it says a lot about his character the way that the whole thing is. And he like smirks at certain points as if he's sort of saying, you know, how does Dell deal with, with life without someone around to help him? That type of thing. Cause I mean, you, you, you feel bad for Dell when you see the way that he has to drag this uh, trunk along the, the field the whole way. So. Yeah. It's like just this, you know, five to 10 seconds of, facial expressions from steve martin just tells this entire story of what's going through his head just you know looking at dell and just thinking oh my god what a joke this guy is and then well i guess he's going through the same like he's been dealing with all the exact same hardships that i've been dealing with and he's still moving along and going forward and doing the best he can by himself. And, oh my God, I don't want to spend any more time with this person because he's so incredibly annoying, but I'm a good guy and he doesn't deserve to be left alone. So I'm going to go and help him. And like all of that just in this five seconds of facial of looking at his face. Yeah, yeah, he does it really great. And that's pretty much how this, this minute ends, with him contemplating what he's going to be doing. Do you have anything else for, for this minute? Uh, no, that's that's it. Okay, great. So, Oh, wait, actually, I did have one other thing. Yeah, go ahead. That, um, that I do think that it, it it's a little odd that they seem to immediately jump to sending all the passengers off the train because the the most typical response in this situation would be to keep everybody on the train and bring and wait for a a repair crew to come and repair the train uh, so that way they're all still sitting in the train and then they can move them along safely but i did look it up and there have at least been a couple instances where a a broken down train did have the passengers leave the train but most i'm pretty sure most of the time and this has happened to me a couple times with train delays um once because of weather and once because of a um of an injury where i was stuck on the metro train for several hours and i think um I mean, I think it's possible that they might have been able to let some people off, but I know the majority of the passengers, myself included, just waited on the train oh, wow. for a long period of time until they were able to get it moving again. 
Right. Now, again, we don't, we don't know how much time has passed. So it is possible that they were sitting on the train for an hour. Mm. You know, it's, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that they got off the train within minutes after the, the train broke down. You know, I, I don't know. Because we also didn't hear the announcement, everyone grab your belongings and get off in an orderly fashion or something to that effect. Yeah. Don't know. All right. Anything else for this minute? No, that's it. Okay, great. So every day I go through the differences between the final shooting script and the final version of the film. So this minute has a few little changes, not very much. Uh, one of the things is, is that the, they describe the fact that Neil's feet are, or his shoes are beer soaked, which as we discussed yesterday, there was the whole thing that he got his, that Dell spilled beer all over his shoes. So he like gives his feet a good shake to try to get the beer off before it. And it says that Dell's sturdy practical boots keep pace with uh, everything that they're, they're doing there. Then the way it describes everyone walking, it says a long line of passengers marching across a vast snowfield like the German army in retreat from the Russian front. <laughs> so I, I always love the way that, that, that John Hughes is very descriptive in, 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 in his script. <laughs> I mean, cause that description puts an I image in my mind of what this really should look like. And it's very descriptive and it's great. So mm -hmm. there's, there's no question about that. And in the script, Neil walks over and helps Dell with, uh, with his, uh, with his trunk. You know, he, he's, there's no, we, we don't get this, this half a minute of him contemplating what he wants to do. So I, 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 I like the fact that the way they did it in the final cut, that we actually get to see him debating as, as you described earlier, you know, he's really thinking about what it is that he's doing here. You know, yeah. does, should he help him or not? That type of thing. And again, there's, there's no explanation of the, the conductor explaining to them, you know, where they have to go and stuff like that. That must have been added later on when they said, okay, maybe we need to sort of explain to people, you know, what, what everyone's going to need to do here. I don't know. So every day we, we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track where either myself or my guest will give a little adventure or misadventure story of something that might have happened to us along the journey of life. So, Bubba, you got another one for us? Yeah, uh, this one is uh, much more recent. This one was actually just a few years ago. Um, you know, I actually, uh, most of my vehicles were actually given to me my, by my parents. Um, you know, after they would get a new car, they would give me their old one. And then the, the first car that I actually purchased for myself was just a few years ago and I decided to go with an electric car and I got a Nissan Leaf which is you know one of the basically the least expensive electric car you can get but it's also okay. one of the ones that that has a more limited range than some of the newer ones and they depending on the age and and the condition and how you drive you get anywhere between like you know 80 or 110 miles per charge no oh, wow. and um so i i got this car and then the one of the which it, it wasn't a big deal because you know i'm i'm pretty much a homebody i don't do a ton of driving anymore i pretty much just stick to the local areas 
and uh, so that's not a big deal. I just charge it every night, and it's it's perfectly fine, and uh, there's not really any other issues with it. Um, but then we decided to, that we wanted to go to the Renaissance Fair, and you know, this is when we were in Chicago, and the Renaissance Fair was at the Wisconsin border, and it was. I think about a, a 40 minute drive each way and I calculated it and I was like, it's, it looks like it's about 70 miles round trip. So I think we should be okay. And so, you know, we, we went there just fine. And I think whenever we got there and we finally parked, the battery was at like 49%. Okay. So, so I was like, uh, that's, that's a little too close for comfort. And then, so driving home, I, you know, made a very conscious effort. I did my best at what's kind of called hypermiling. And that is basically very conscious driving in order to minimize the amount of electricity that you're using. So that means like very slow acceleration. Uh, you don't have, you know, very high top speeds. You keep your your top speeds down. Whenever you're braking, you want to use the regenerative braking and not use the physical brake as much. So you don't want to brake too hard. So mm -hmm. that way, you know, as you're slowing down, you're putting energy back into the into the battery through the regenerative braking. And you know, we ended up just barely making it home with you know the gauge said i think about four miles of range left oh wow <laughs> whenever we pulled in and that that is basically the only time that i've um you know had that sort of range anxiety like uh, every other time i've i've planned it planned any sort of slightly longer trips just fine to where you know if we're going a little bit farther i make sure that there's a charging station so i can you know build up the charge like if we go to a mall there's a lot of charging stations at malls uh and you know other than that i haven't had any problems i've never been stranded anywhere but just that one time and i i think that was within the first six months of owning that car you know i had my first bit of you know range anxiety for it wow very cool all right so you want to tell people once again how they can get in touch with you sure they uh, the best place to find me and all my projects is on twitter where i'm at bubbleweet and uh, i do have one other um, more recent podcast that i just started back here in february and uh, this is actually a music podcast. It's called Lyrical Innuendo. And I do that uh, with the, the group of uh, uh, Rabbit Hole Podcasts. And um, each episode, my co-host Rob Branch and I, we discuss a, a song, like a popular song. Of, you know, we pick random, random genres, random points in history. We take a deep look at the lyrics and we decide whether or not that song is about sex, drugs, or rock and roll. All right, excellent. And you can find me very simply by just doing a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Twitter, you can find me on Facebook, or you can go to my website.
So, until tomorrow, you're fucked. You're fucked.